Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Obo Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. Alright, I think we're good to go. We are definitely good to go. We got the okay from, from Roadblock in chat. In that case, hi, I'm Jack, for real this time. And, and I'm Lauren for fake this time. <laughs> and we are Glib Shark. Jonathan is on assignment in Medjugorje, Bosnia. Today, we're recording this on August 2nd, 2016. Uh, Sharknado 4 is out on demand on uh, t- local TV screens everywhere. And uh, also, Jimmy Walker wins the uh, PGA tournament. Dynamite. But first, as always, we have the lovely, the talented, the amazing Oboe Crazy here to do a little something that we call This Week in Geek. How are you, Lauren? Well, this week, my cup runneth over with new stuff that I want to talk about. Because not there isn't always a week that not only has a lot of news that's come out, but stuff that is um, things that are good to talk about on an audio podcast. They either require visuals or video or something like that. But this week, not only were there a lot of random shit that's kind of funny that I want to talk about that's geeky, but it all, all kind of works. So... Jenga, we're gonna we're gonna play a little game here. I'm gonna give you two options, and I'd like you to pick which one you want to hear. And we'll do this a couple times. Would you rather listen to uh, a news story about Jedi's in Australia or Batarangs on a plane? I think we have to go with Batarangs on a plane. Okay, so if you have been either a geek. Or listening to the show for a very long time, you'll know that on a regular basis, I like to make fun of people who want to bring lethalish weapons on planes. Because you should know better by now, people. Especially when it comes to things like batarangs. Because it continues to be an issue that people think that just because it's shaped like a bat, that means that it's legal. Because why not? So the TSA is starting to get really pissed off about this. So multiple companies have made licenses, licensed and unlicensed versions of the Batarang. And so many people are trying to get them through security. The TSA has taken to their Instagram account, which uh, things I learned today, the TSA has an Instagram account. They're letting people know that even though it's related to Batman, you can't bring sharp throwing objects on a plane. Now, as we said, this has been a problem for a while. Uh, You can actually go back through the TSA archives on their Instagram. And starting a year ago, they're like, nope, nope. See, you can't do this. Don't bring these. Uh, They found three batarangs in a carry-on bag at, hey, my hometown, the Buffalo Niagara International Airport. While throwing weapons are prohibited from carry-on bags, they may be packed in check bags as long as they don't violate any local laws. Uh, Six months ago, there's another one of, 
two more batarangs. And a few days ago, three more batarangs. As far as from from their Instagram, the TSA says, quote, these batterings were discovered in a carry-on bag at San Francisco International Airport. While prohibited in carry-on bags, these may be packed in check-in luggage. Uh, that's not even all of them. The Hollywood Reporter has, has more and has talked to the TSA about this ongoing issue. And they have a quote from Mike England, who is a TSA spokesman, who said, quote, Passengers are not allowed to bring anything on a plane that resembles a weapon. So anything like a boomerang or anything that would not be permitted in the airplane cabin. They can be placed in your checked baggage along with your grapple gun, bat saw, collapsible bat sword, and other utility belt items, end quote. So if you happen to go to, say, Emerald City Comic Con and score that awesome batarang, don't bring it on the plane or bring it on the plane. And then I get to make fun of you on the air. So we'll we'll mark that off the list. Jenga, would you like to hear about uh, Pokemon Go at the Olympics or uh, the most metal words of all time? Pokemon Go is tempting, but I think I need to know what the most metal words of all time are. So scientists are awesome. And when given five free minutes and a calculator, just start calculating shit. And... In a post on Degenerate State, a whole bunch of scientists took lyrics off of darklyrics.com, which is uh, purported to be the, quote, largest metal lyrics archive on the web, end quote. So it's a database of 222,623 songs by 7,634 bands. And they analyzed almost all of the words in all of these songs. They compared the dark lyrics data to Brown Corpus, which is a 1961 collection of English language documents that is, quote, the first of the modern computer readable general corporea, and came up with a data set. And what is that data set? The uh, most metal words of all time. That's right. Do you want to write a heavy metal song? scientifically here are the 10 words that you must use <clears throat> from 10 to one. And I will use my best metal voice for this because why not? Soul ashes, demons, gonna. Yeah. Is it G O N N A as in going to gonna beast breathe eternity veins cries and jenga what would you guess is the number one most metal word of all time oh man uh death surprisingly enough death is not on the top 10 it, it might huh. be in the top 20 i'm not sure but uh i guess only for death guess. metal would be top 10 yeah <laughs> uh but no number one is burn yeah, because, you know, of course, why not? You have to burn in the afterlife and burn with the cries of eternity in your veins with the beast and demons and ashes and souls and stuff. Uh, for those of you who would like to know the top 10 least metal words of all time from 10 to 1 in the most British of accents that I can pull off. Number 10, employees, chairman, approximately, noted, relatively, university, committee, secretary, indicated and jenga if you have to guess the least metal word of all time what would you guess confluence <laughs> that's a good one what they actually list is particularly 
So yes, unsurprisingly, if you want to sound metal, you need to talk about hell and the afterlife and burning and souls and things. And if you want to not sound at all metal, you'd need to talk about employment and universities and things that you would normally find in a legal brief. So there you go. Check that out. You can see the full list of the top 20 most and least metal words, and you can have fun ruining your voice and saying them yourself. All right. Uh, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna put two previous things together. Jenga, would you rather hear about uh, Jedi or Pokemon go? Pokemon Go. If you are an Olympic athlete going to the Rio Olympics, you've got a lot of things to worry about. Uh, the city is in ruins. The uh, athletes, vis- uh, the athletes' vis- village doesn't meet safety requirements. Rio has a massive crime par- problem. The Olympics themselves are really not ready. There's viruses and pollution, and it's just kind of horrible. And now, as athletes are starting to arrive, they're finding the worst possible thing ever. They can't play Pokemon Go. That's right. So Pokemon Go hasn't been released in Brazil yet. And so people who downloaded the app in their countries and then go to Brazil can still access it. But you can't get any Pokestops and no Pokemon show up. And basically, you have an app that does nothing. According to the Associated Press, the company didn't specify when the game could be released there, but rumors are circulating that it could be as soon as Sunday because, hey, Olympics. So far, there hasn't been anything meaning that the athletes are taking to Twitter to vent their frustrations because, you know, everyone's already complained about the crime and the conditions and the fact that this is going to be probably the unhealthiest Olympics of all time. So you might as well complain about the fact that you can't play Pokemon Go. And it's it's just kind of funny to see these world-renowned athletes at the top of their physical form and competing in something that comes around for most of these people once in a lifetime, taking to social media to complain about a game. Uh, that kind of shows you how how big gaming has become, or at least Pokemon Go. But who knows? Maybe Niantic will get their butts together and get Pokemon released in Brazil. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see if something will go right the Rio games. Alright. So, Jenga has passed twice on the Jedis in Australia. We're, we're down to our final two. Uh, Jenga, I'm going to give you a choice, and the one that you don't pick, we will not talk about. So drumroll, please. Please, would you like to hear about Jedi in Australia, or do you want to hear about 50 Cent making Luke Cage? Oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> that's a tough one. All right. Um, I think I have to go with 50 Cent and Luke Cage. Sorry, Jedis. Sorry, Australia. Sorry, Jedi. Uh, definitely. Just just go, if you do a Google search for uh, Jedi in Australia, you'd Probably we'll find this news story, but we're going to talk a little bit about 50 Cent. Or I, I guess I could try to sound authentic and say 50 Cent. And no, that sounded horrible. Anyway, rapper turned TV producer Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. 50 Cent, he has got a new TV superhero show coming out on Stars. It's called Tomorrow Today. And it starts, it stars a hero That's basically Luke Cage. All right, it's not Luke Cage because, you know, Netflix has Luke Cage and Luke Cage TV series is coming out in just a couple of months. But according to TV Line, the superhero drama that Jackson himself has written 
uh, quote, follows a war veteran from Chicago's South Side who, after being falsely imprisoned, becomes the personal experiment of a mad prison doctor trying to create the perfect man and an unstoppable killing machine. Set free, but on the run, the veteran must reconcile with the world that he has, has turned against him and use his newfound abilities for good, end quote. Which is Luke Cage. It's, it's Luke Cage. He was also in prison for a crime he didn't commit. He volunteered to be a guinea pig in one of those countless experiments that was trying to make Captain America happen after they failed to make another Captain America, and he's now indestructible because of it. So... A lot of people are trying to give 50 Cent the benefit of the doubt, presumably because, you know, that's a very, very weak plot line. It's a very just basic kind of thing. We don't know a lot of details. Um, Jackson said in a statement, quote, I knew stars would be the perfect home for tomorrow today. This project was very personal to me, creating it, writing it, finding the best team for it. And I will continue to be involved every step of the way. End quote. Uh, he does have some interesting people already signed up. He's going to be uh, joined as an executive. Uh, he's going to be joined by executive producers Anthony Chipperano, David Kay, and Kirkland Morris, who are known as the people behind Bates Motel. And while it doesn't have any timeline just yet, uh, you can watch the other Luke Cage coming out on Netflix in September. So it might be interesting to see the 50 cent version of Luke Cage. Hopefully it'll it'll actually be different. I would like to think the producers of that show will watch the Netflix Luke Cage and go, we should make sure ours is different. But that's all for This Week in Geek. I'm Oboe Crazy, and I am not playing Pokemon in Brazil. The world is indeed a strange place. If you have a fact that you want read live and on the air, you can send an email to lauren at obocrazy.com and she will read it. And while you're at it, go to glibshark.com, home of all of our, I guess, 500, 600 plus hours of podcasting content. Classic Jenga Jam, uh, all-time podcast, uh, modern Glibshark, and of course, Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Glibshark.com, the house of all of our content. But man, like, I'm thinking, like, this is like a shape would be like a real Ghostbusters versus like filmation Ghostbusters situation. It it really does depend. Like we only really know the history of Luke Cage from the comics and the little bit that we saw from Jessica Jones. So we don't really know the Marvel universe, cinematic universe or TV universes backstory of Luke Cage. It could be completely different for all we know. And if that's the case, then the 50 cent version of this superhero will look a lot different, even though he's following the original backstory. Uh, also, a lot of the details could be different, and the the focus could be really different. And we also don't know what this guy's powers are. I mean, Luke Cage is indestructible. Uh, we don't know what superpowers this, the 50 Cent version gets. So if he creates kind of a, a different superhero through the same means, I mean... <laughs> The, the Marvel and DC universes are filled with a variety of superheroes who basically all got their power from radiation in some way or another. So people getting their powers from the same way in the same way over and over again is is not new. But, you know, it could be interesting. He's he's produced a, a variety of interesting material and media. So I'll be I'll be interested to see what happens there. Although I don't have stars. Do you have stars? I do have stars, actually. Ah, that's what you get for having a cable package. I just have YouTube. Yeah, I, it, 
that's the thing about cable though. Cable is not something that I have because I necessarily want it. Cable is something that I have because someone else in my house wants it. So I have it. It's there. I mean, I'd probably get by just fine on Netflix and Hulu and uh, and Amazon Prime. I mean, I would get Amazon Prime if I didn't have cable. But, uh, but yeah, like I think I may have to check it out just because you know the, the name attached to it. Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be interesting. Uh, there's no release date on any of it yet. Um, I, it was funny when you said you know you've got it, but you because of someone else in the house, and I was just thinking we've got Netflix because Luke wants Luke is huge into binge watching shows and stuff. And I, I really can't, and I'm not the kind of person to just sit down and watch a movie. I, I two hours of watching a movie a lot of the time doesn't appeal. So, um, I would like to say that like we, we don't have a cable subscription. So we're one of those people. I watch the vast majority of my stuff through either YouTube or Twitch or, um, and then I realized, okay, wait a second. I have a Twitch subscription to Geek and Sundry. Um, I watch quite a few shows on Rooster Teeth, and I am a, I'm not a subscriber anymore. I'm a first. I'm firsty. I'm a firster. I'm a first member. I'm a subscriber. I subscribe to them. And we do have a Netflix subscription. So I, I guess I have more subscriptions than I thought. I, I, I haven't ever really thought about lumping Rooster Teeth in with subscription shows and services, but... That's really what it is. I have to look into my account. I haven't logged in in a couple of weeks. Um, I was think tasked this time last week to check out uh, the world's greatest head massage on RT Docs. Yes, and you were. I have not made the time to do it, so I get incomplete <gasps> for the week. I know. I know. Well, next by next week, if you can at least watch the second half, I would love to hear. Because um, you you're a you're a subscriber, right? I actually have no idea. I mean, I'm a sponsor from back in the day, <laughs> but uh, let me log into my Rooster Teeth account. Well, that's what I mean. What you're a you're a you're a sponsor. You're firsty. Yeah, yeah I guess that means yes. I'm first now. You're first. Yeah. Um the the thing that I'm gonna catch up on hopefully either this weekend or next weekend the final episode of Day Five aired, and so Luke and I have decided have promised ourselves once the the finale happened we were gonna sit down and watch all the episodes because we haven't seen anything. Um, I'm hoping to maybe watch at least a couple of episodes this weekend, but I've got uh, Carly's baby shower on Saturday, so that's gonna eat up some time. So we'll see what happens, but I'm definitely we want to start watching that as soon as. The two of us can sit down in the same room for more than five minutes. But this week, his his work schedule and my work schedule and gigs and shit have all gotten in the way of that. Oh, man. Big weekend for for me, too. I'm actually going to Long Island. My sister is taking her first profession to become a nun. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's basically the equivalent of her wedding, really. So uh, it's a big weekend for our family. We're heading up on Friday. There's a special program there. Saturday, we have a whole day thing. And then there's a wedding in Princeton, New Jersey that I have to go to. So a long time listener of the show. So, uh, hey, congratulations, buddy, on your on your upcoming nuptials. By the time you're listening to this, you'll probably be married. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Why is everyone having babies and getting married this weekend? What the hell is going on? I don't know. I think uh. just try to get the last bit of summer sun in there or, or something. I don't know. Or something. Yeah, I, I need to actually prep for this baby shower. I, I still haven't bought a gift yet. Um, and that isn't because I don't know. Okay, so 
She is registered on Amazon and a couple other places, which is awesome. I think that's one of the best ways to do these kind of gift things. But I've only been to a couple of baby showers and and the ones that I've been to have all basically be they're like they're just parties to give gifts to the woman who's having the baby. So I don't understand if I if I buy something off of Amazon or off of her Amazon wish list, I'm not showing up with anything. Am I doing baby showers wrong? Um, if you're buying it off of Amazon wishlist and it gets shipped to her, I mean, I think that's fine. She'll know. That's like, true, but then what do I like? Do I just show up to the baby shower and say like, check your Amazon wishlist? Like, what do I do? Well, it seems to me that this is a perfect opportunity for a small gag gift. <laughs> okay. Um, funds are limited, but I'm open to suggestions. Well, you don't have to. You go to like five below or something. Pick up something like like I don't know, something completely inappropriate. You could go that way without being too offensive. A five dollar dildo. Oh, not being offensive. Or if you want to be topical, a a pocket constitution for baby. (laughs) Baby constitution. That's the kind of thing my dad would do. He was always trying to cram me full of knowledge. I mean. Like, he got us an atlas. He'd always ask us about current events. He'd have us watch the 630 News with us. He wanted to make sure we knew about the world going on. And so, as a result, I was one of those uh, people in kindergarten who was able to speak fairly articulately about the state of the Cold, the Cold War at that time. Well, both mother and father are highly intelligent, very geeky people. So, I, I have no doubt this child is going to be raised with a good appreciation and understanding of the world cultural events and star trek so but pocket constitution could be funny if i could find baby-sized constitution that that could be funny i will keep that in mind maybe while i'm perusing amazon later today and deciding on on a wish list item i will add a pocket constitution (laughs) i hear that there it's a top seller now so why not (laughs) absolutely I think they're free from certain places, too. I'd have to look into it. I used to have one. I, it was in a box somewhere. I kept it for years. I've referenced it. I've actually read the Constitution of the United States. Seems like you should know the basic basis of the law if you live in a country. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in a box somewhere in my parents' house. Well, eventually Luke wants to get his citizenship so that he can vote and he can participate in the governing process as much as he's allowed to, which means at some point in the future, I'm sure my household will be filled with more governmental documents than I know what to do with, if only because he's going to be studying. And it's been a very long time since I've had U.S. history classes. So my knowledge is severely limited and I'm also sure that at some point along the the way, Luke will probably know more about the U.S. government than I do. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, when you immigrate to a country, you kind of have to learn about it and, and earn the right to be a citizen. Whereas if you're born here, you kind of fall backwards into it. Uh, I, I compare my cousin. Like, so my cousin, Georgie, my best man for my wedding, um, he he was – he came over from India, but I'm not talking about that. He got citizenship when his parents became citizens. Fine. But uh, he had to – he converted from his like reform Orthodox church to become a Catholic. So he actually knows more about my church now than I do who fell, <laughs> fell backwards into it. So say yeah, when you come into something, you have to know more about it than someone who's just always been around it. Well, and he'll his knowledge will have to be fresh while mine is oh, – 
anecdotal or historical from uh, high school. I think high school was the last time I had any kind of formal knowledge about the government. Or civics. I mean, I, I want to see the Luke McKay um, training montage to learn about this country. What kind of legislature do they have? Unicameral. <laughs> Slap. No, bicameral. <laughs> He's on a treadmill, sweat pouring down his brow, and I'm just like, name the three branches of government. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Executive, legislative, also wrong, judicial. <laughs> no, you're right. Wait, I don't understand. Yeah, I'm I, I'm positive at some point he's going to know more than I will. And it, that'll be a scary moment in my life. One of one of my favorite signs, uh, actually six years ago, I went to uh, Stephen Colbert and Jon Stewart's rally to restore Sandy slash inspire March to inspire fear. That was and, awesome. Uh, it was incredible. And uh, one of my favorite signs was one that said repeal the Third Amendment. And I'm like, I don't want to draw your and quarter your troops. And he said, oh, come on. We won't eat much. <laughs> we won't eat too many things. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing what, what people get uppity about. And it's amazing what people misinterpret, misremember. I mean, it's it's the same thing that happens, you know, whenever there's a big uproar about somebody's uh, freedom of speech being stifled. And it's like, no, 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 no. The government isn't stopping you from speaking. And so your freedom of speech is not being stifled. You're right. just being an asshole and people are responding to you being an asshole. You know, it's, it's, I think once yeah. a month something happens and where somebody posts is a comic. That's that, you know, if, if you, you are being an asshole on the internet uh, and people are banning you from forums or ignoring you or muting you on social media. They're not impinging on your freedom of speech. They are telling you you're being an asshole and showing you the door. You are not protected from the consequences of your actions when you have freedom of speech, particularly if what you say is deemed to be foolish or ignorant. Yeah. You have to own what you say um, just because someone takes issue with it or – it doesn't mean that you're being censored or that they're infringing upon your freedom of speech. It means that you probably should consider re-examining your ideas. Yep. Yep. That is that is the, the joyful, gleeful, wonderful thing about our democracy is the government is never going to stop you. Other people might. Yeah. And, and then there's this kid somewhere who's like, oh, man, no one in school ever taught me that. I had to learn that on Glib Shark. <laughs> Yeah, or, you know, as I said, wait around another month and it'll show up on Twitter everywhere when some random person is all offended that my freedom of speech has been... No, no, and no, it has As a Rooster Teeth moderator, I dealt with this, you know, quite a bit or heard stories about it, you know. It's like, well, there's a difference between, you know, government infringing upon your right to say that you're saying thing in a public forum and posting something on what's ultimately a private website that's owned by a company where that you know you if signed a, an agreement to not be a dick on when you signed up for the website. You ostensibly read the terms and conditions that dictated that we have wide discretion to, and we don't like doing it, but you know, if something is deemed disruptive or disharmonious community, we are, I mean, I say we, I'm not really a forum moderator anymore, but like they're well in their authority to, to censor your post. I mean, usually we won't, but if you did, maybe we're not the jerks. Maybe you should think about what it is that you said rather than like freedom of speech, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. Twitter, same deal. Private forum. If you're harassing people on Twitter, that's a violation of the terms and services. So what's his face who got banned? He, he, he probably deserved it. 
No, not probably. He definitely deserved it. That guy's a and, dick. And as somebody who's watched people be banned for being a dick and then listened on other social medias to them complain about it, my response has always been to quote uh, one of my my longest friends and former boss who would tell customers who were being unreasonable and threatened to leave their store and go shop elsewhere, he would say, go be someone else's problem. Aww. Oh, I just saw on uh, Facebook, one of my dear friends has made it back to, uh, to, to, to the United States after a long time in New Zealand. Ooh, what were they doing in New Zealand? Well, he married somebody from New Zealand. That, so, that's uh, a, yeah, okay, that's a yeah. good reason. So, so is he visiting or is he bringing wife now back to the U.S.? I think he's just visiting. Like, I don't think okay. there's any plan to move back, but uh, but this is his baby's first time there, too, because they had a kid, and the kid is, I guess, a New Zealand citizen, but also potentially a U.S. citizen, because as I understand it, unless the parent American citizen parent gives up their citizenship, the children take on American citizenship regardless of where they were born. Uh, yes. And nah. I think that's why there was the, what was, who was the Republican nominee who was running for president many, many, many moons ago? Who uh, was Theodore apparent- Cruz. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. Who was born in Canada. I, or no, he wasn't, there was. I think he actually was born in Canada, but. To his, American parents. And well, then, his father was a Canadian citizen at the time, I think, but his mother was a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, American citizen. So you got it through. His what do you call it? <laughs> uh, well, I I'm I will defer to your details because uh, I seem to remember there was some question about whether he was born in Canada or born in the United States, and whether whether that was a weird loophole in the Constitution about whether he could be president and all of that. But he was definitely an American citizen, despite the fact that he could he was he might have been born in Canada. I think you, I think you're right that he was born in Canada. So yeah, it makes sense. Um, and no, America is protective of their citizens. And I don't think in that case, he would be required to give up his citizenship. I think you're only required to do that. If you're going to be a, a full citizen of another country, that's when America gets uppity. I know the United States allows for dual citizenship. Now in India, they don't only, only with certain countries. Now, this actually brings up something relevant. I've actually been looking into getting something called Overseas Citizenship of India, which is not actually Indian citizenship. What it is is for people who were either born in India or have a parent who was born in India, they have the option to basically get something which is sort of like permanent resident alien but not quite. You don't get voting rights. But you don't really get to participate in the country, but you get to stay in India indefinitely. So right now what I have is a 10-year visa. So I can go to India anytime I want between now and 2023 and I can stay for as long as six months after six months I have to leave I can't work there though so in order to and that's the other thing like if I wanted to stay indefinitely I'd have to get what's called OCI or overseas citizenship of India and I thought for a long the only downside of it is if you have it you basically forsake protection of your home embassy and just agree to settle legal matters in in India's courts or whatever which turned me off up to a point but then you know, I thought if every time comes a time that I want to stay in India for more than more than six months, then it might be worth looking into. Uh, hmm. are, are you thinking of moving to India? No. Nah, oh, not not really. I mean, I think regardless of who wins this election, there's a lot of hyperbole um, about, oh, I'm going to India. Oh, I'm going to Cape Breton. Oh, I'm going to live somewhere else. Um, 
I think wait, wait, wait. I think there's a lot of hyperbole about moving to Canada. You're the first person I've ever heard say I'm moving to India. Well, now I granted, mean, only... you're in a different situation than most yeah. people who are dropping the "I'm moving" if so and so gets now gets elected. But I mean, still. all my stuff is I, I I was born in America. I was raised in America. This is my home. I myself identify as American, even though maybe a very small minority of people don't see me that way. Um, the thing about India is, like, as an as a retiree, if the travel gets faster, I wouldn't mind if there's a way to do it to live in India and just do all my business in America because. The place my family is from is gorgeous. It's like they call it God's own country for a reason. It's like a tropical paradise, but also in the mountains. So that the weather is really nice. You wake up every morning, you get to smell smell like pepper and cardamom in in the air, and you can hear like there's a sort of piece to it that doesn't exist in a lot of places in America. At least not the places that I lived. Mm. And I have, I mean, even for all my cultural gap, I have a really deep affinity for it. So I could see myself settling there at some point down the line Retiring on the other him. hand like i i'd probably be like a hermit i would like keep to myself and read books and not talk to anybody <laughs> mainly because of language but for other reasons too but uh but i mean i don't think i'd move i don't think i would leave america if uh if the worst should happen and jill stein become president so here's like, I don't begrudge people who drop that because I know 99% of the time it is hyperbole. But here's the thing. Number one, it ain't that easy to just move to another country. I should know. Even Canada. Uh, but more importantly, number two, I feel like the democratic process means sometimes I am not going to get who or what I want out of my government because there are millions of people in this country and we all have different opinions. And sometimes the majority of people will have a different opinion than me. Yeah, and that's democracy. that's democracy. And it doesn't matter how much I might disagree or think it's horrible or the worst thing imaginable. I feel like it is my responsibility as an American, if that happens to not flee, to stay and work to fix things and work to make things better or work to make the next election go the way I want it to. And if if someone was to end up as president who I felt was so apocalyptic as to potentially ruin my life, I still would feel an obligation to this country. You know what? We're talking about four to eight years and this country deserves to be fought for so that um, it is maybe only four years or if it's eight years that afterwards I do get what I want, that it is selfish of me to run what, you know, and have a temper tantrum if I don't get the candy I want. That being said, um, it is, it is a very rare, it, the, the fact that this could happen is remote, but a possibility a lot of the rhetoric we've been hearing in the last this election cycle has been about immigrants both legal and illegal and um very harsh rhetoric has been put forth specifically towards muslim immigrants um unfairly but in order to pass any of that kind of legislation uh the people who would want to do that can't target a specific minority group or a spe specific religion because, hey, that's unconstitutional. 
so there there is a very 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 tiny chance that if all things were to go the way that I don't want them to and certain legislation gets passed that Luke would have to leave the country and if that is the case I will leave not because of um personal grudges or you know I'm going to flee the country but the simple fact of the matter is that we are married and if he is forced to leave financially, we will have to stay together because he will have to get a job somewhere else. We can't afford to have two residences in two different countries. And so I will stay with my husband. So, hey, America, don't make me choose between you and my husband because you will lose. I can I can hear Jonathan like screaming into a pillow right now because <laughs> this is when we go into the political arena. He kind of like it's like scratching like a like a like a blackboard. I know. I know. Well, and that's why I've been very careful to not mention specifics about stuff. Right. You know, and, and obviously the scenario that I've laid out is a super rare possibility. But, you know, I, I would like to stay here with Luke. And I, I think it is it is good to remember when people say things like, I'm just going to flee if, you know, I'm going to flee to Canada. No, stay and participate. And right. you know what? Sometimes in a democracy, you don't get what you want. And that's. That sucks, but that's life. And and let me just address anyone who, like, who is afraid their country is being taken away from them. If there's hate in your heart, if you think that immigrants are less than you, if you think gays and lesbians are less than you, you think women are less than you, you think Muslims are less than you, then I am happy to say that I am trying to take this country away from you because you suck and this country deserves better than you. So battle lines drawn. There you go. You can send Bye. email to latenightjenga at gmail.com <laughs> with your responses. Yeah, and we won't respond to that kind of hateful rhetoric because because we love everybody. Because we yeah. want we want to love all people. That's right. That's right. And uh, I did see We'll make something. fun of the people who bring batarangs on, on planes, though. We will make fun of you from here until next year. But we still love you. I mean, yeah. What do you think was... <laughs> Let's play a game. What do you think is going to happen before you do a thing where you're not sure if you should do the thing or not? Use your imagination to imagine how that thing might play out. What is the <laughs> most likely scenario? What is the best case scenario? What is the worst case scenario? I feel like I'm giving critical thinking like to all of the people listening to this show. Everyone's sitting under the knowledge tree with Jenga this week. It's it's pretty fantastic. We we also have a little bit of an advantage because we've been Dungeons and Dragons players, which not only inspires critical but creative thinking. Uh, and as a DM, one of my jobs between sessions is to sit and go, what do I think they will do next? So that I'm prepared with a whole bunch of possible scenarios, depending on what you guys do, knowing 95% of the time you're going to do something completely different. So, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, it helps in life. I mean, I feel like we've settled into a kind of ribbon, though. Not that we get unpredictable or whatever, but to an extent, you can predict that Bernie and Carlton are going to talk to each other and bicker back and forth and maybe go in a non sequitur direction. And that it's sooner or later, either myself or Jonathan will get us back on quote unquote track. Yeah, you got I, well, and all four of you are video game players primarily. And so for good or for ill, you are very uh main quest focused i guess would be i mean uh, we've jokingly had jonathan on the 
on the show several times um, in a joking manner, yelling at you guys to get back on track and to let's follow the plot points and things like that, Um, which can be both a good and bad thing. I think it's good that the team has that all four of you to varying degrees have that kind of focus because it makes it makes it more gratifying when you go through that content because I've certainly DM'd games and where I've created all sorts of content and I can't convince the players to go towards any of it, no matter how enticing I make it. So, you know, part of it is very gratifying. And then some of it is, you know, it would be nice if, if I gave you, you know, three or four different things that you could do that, well, no, we're not too interested in the side quest. We want to, we want to mainline this thing. How, you know, how do we mainline this quest? So it's, it's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. But certainly some, there have been many times in where what you guys have thought is the main quest line and the direction you should go in is not what at all, what I was thinking you were going to do. It's like when people were in this uh, escape the room kind of situation and they're looking at this one like nut on a bolt or something. And really like they're they're looking at this one infinitesimal detail where really the larger picture is like right next to them. Yeah. So we've done so we've done that then. You've done oh. you've done both of it. You've you've done all of it. <laughs> but that's that's half the fun, you know, is is waiting for random shit to happen um, next week. The, the the episode that's going to drop on Monday, definitely the end of that episode has several things that I was not expecting to happen happen. And and for the best, for like the, the most fun things happened in the last bit of that episode. Yeah, that was that was kind of a fun little little twist. You know, after sort of a heavy campaign, you get a sort of. I don't want to say curveball. I don't want to spoil it too much for people who want to go and listen to eventually. But you get something a little unexpected, and I think it's a welcome thing. Well, and it's it's not quite over yet, uh, and it's it's not over over. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned on Glib Shark, you know, I've definitely mentioned to you guys that we're kind of coming towards the end of a chapter in your story, in where you know this is going to close out a couple of of big plots that you've been working on for a while. Um, hopefully, in the next week or two, it depends on on how things go and what you guys decide to do. But, you know, definitely a chapter is going to be closing and we're going to be starting a new ish chapter where, you know, new things might happen. And I'm kind of looking forward to that simply because I feel like when we started playing almost a year ago at this point, a little little less than a year ago, um, between the new players in the group and the fact that it was just a new group in general, um, everybody was kind of sort of feeling out what was possible, what they could do, uh, still learning their characters, still learning how to play. And now I feel like you guys have a really solid understanding, not just of your characters and the mechanics of the game, but of what is, you know, how, how to, ask and do things and the fact that you can just ask to do anything and that you know you can go exploring or go try things and so I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what happens next when I say what do you want to do and one of the things I always think about like is the road less traveled sort of where you know D&D is a game of choices where you're making one choice it precludes another where I think about Wendergaard a lot like what happens? How powerful was he, really? I used one of my Moment of Confusion arrows, and that might have saved our lives, or it might not have been... Maybe I, it was worth having in case I run into, I don't know, a dragon someday. I'll say this. Without 
without spoiling anything, because if if people ask me, oh, hey, you know, this happened in the campaign. What happened? What would have happened if that happened? Or what would have happened if, you know, we'd found out more about this? And what I try to say is, well, you don't know because uh, you don't know. But I, I think it's fairly obvious. And I'd, Wendergod is actually not an example of this, because I still think that was a very difficult fight. Um, when I put fights together for you guys, um, there have been several encounters that I expect to be difficult, but not insanely difficult fights that end up being cakewalks simply because of a combination of me rolling like shit and you guys rolling really well. And uh, I think those encounters are obvious <laughs> when they happen. <laughs> um but it is it has happened a surprising number of times with you guys. And so putting together encounters has been difficult because I need to constantly remind myself that if the dice go the other way, uh, that everybody dies, that everybody dies if I'm not careful. But, yeah, there have definitely been encounters in where, you know, you guys have not you guys have been smart. But on top of that, you know, you've used your your skills really well and then rolled really well and my guys have I've thrown stuff at you that has never been able to hit you because they could never roll a double digit so you know but that <laughs> happens that's what that's what happens in games you know sometimes you know I am not a person who believes that the dice are cursed or blessed I don't believe in like you know the the dice are against me or for me I use the same dice all the time no matter what happens but you know, probability theory is that sometimes you're going to have streaks in one direction or the other. And, you know, when your streak and my streak coincide, the shit happens. Absolutely. There, yeah. that was a really random rant about D&D &D and probability. Well, and that's just I mean, meanwhile, in the universe next door, all four of our characters are dead and we've gone on to create new characters. Yeah. And that truly is the darkest timeline. No, 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 it is not dark. It is, listen, um, I, my goal is not to kill you guys. My goal is for us to tell a story together. But in order for the story to be epic and in order for the story to have weight and meaning, there has to be real palpable danger. You guys are not heroic unless there is risk involved. And of all of the D&D &D campaigns that I've either run or participate in, the vast majority have ended in character deaths. Um, only a couple have actually survived to see the end of, of encounters and stuff. And those aren't failed. Those aren't the end of the story. Those aren't bad because the vast majority of the time, those character deaths were also pretty damn epic. It was, you know, the fight against impossible odds. It was the crazy shit that happened. It was, you know, something happened and all of my characters that have died or all the times that, um, you know, parties have wiped have all been memorable. And no, I don't want it to happen in D&D and D. And I certainly, you know, if I can walk the fine line, it'll continue to be difficult and heroic and epic without being deadly. But there may come a time where one or all of you guys might die. And when that time comes, what I would like to think will happen will be what has happened in most of my other campaigns, which is there will be a couple minutes or maybe a game or two and where everybody's going to be sad because, you know, we like these characters and they're memorable. But it'll be, have been an epic death. 
and then everybody will be super excited to try something else because, you know, you've been playing this Archer Beastmaster and maybe you've been eyeing Soria and think, oh, you know, I'd like to give a bar to try. Uh, or, you know, Bernie has been the healer for a while now and, you know, maybe Jules would like to give, you know, whacking things as a, as a dwarf barbarian a try. You know, that's, that's kind of the fun. So I don't want you to be, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be cautious. I want you to go out there and throw yourself, you know, Travancore climbing the walls of the, from the mine to try to escape was amazing. That was an amazing fucking moment. Like that climb, people were holding their breath. And everyone was justifiably, you know, when you rolled 20s, it like hairs on the back of my neck stood up. And when you rolled poorly, other people in the room like gasped and there were people who wanted to cry when you fell. And thankfully, Travancore did not die and, and Shadow didn't die. But if he had, wouldn't that have been kind of epic? Or funny or amazing, you know? Yeah, it's... I feel like there's a broader lesson to be taught about life here, and I'm going to need some time to unpack it. But to be able to have that <laughs> impact on people, to be able to tell those kind of stories is actually really super rewarding. And I'm, 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 I'm loving every minute of this campaign. It's like the thing that I, I get jazzed up for every single week. And it's, it is a chance for you to be the reckless hero that we can't be in real life. It is the chance for you to throw yourself into danger or be the, you know, my, my character in my home game that I'm playing that Luke is right now DMing um, has an opportunity to escape from a situation that is, by all accounts, going to end in his death. But he is an honorable being who one of his creeds, one of his mottos in life is that he defends those who cannot defend themselves. And he finds himself in a situation where he's the one that has to do the defending because there is nobody else. And so he's not going to flee. And I would like to think Lauren in, in a situation like that wouldn't flee. But Lauren is probably ne never going to be in that situation. But Kwai, my Eric Coker monk, is. And he is going to stand up and do the right thing. And it may kill him, but it'll be an epic death. And I, I you know, and when I watch Critical Role, um, and there's a bunch of those characters who people yell and scream and, and pull out their hair when characters in that game do what they think is stupid things. They take, quote unquote, stupid risks. And no, they're, they're being adventurous and heroic. And they're, it's wish fulfillment. And that's beautiful and so i i don't want you to be afraid of your character dying i want you to be afraid of your character being boring okay <laughs> <laughs> these notes Sorry. seem awfully specific no no, no 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 i i they are not specific no as i said i started yeah. this this large rant by praising what a lot of people have criticized you for is being a stupid thing for travancore to do climbing the walls of that pit that was a beautiful moment that was epic that and was i almost grandiose. and i almost made it out and how amazing and how would it have been if i i had managed to succeed yeah and you almost did and you know what you almost didn't you almost died and you 
you also had amazing, crazy moments in that process. And then because of what you did, your friends got to have this epic moment of rushing to aid you and Shadow just in time. Like, because you did something that people say was reckless, it it made one of the most memorable moments in the campaign so far. So, no, I I don't want you to feel like this is aimed at you. This is me using your example to go on a random rant. But I've been kind of immersed in D&D&D recently, so sorry. Well, that's, that's awesome. I can't think of a better note to sort of like, you know, so it's a capstone on, on this uh, installment of... Oh, man, what episode is this? This is like five... Not, we're coming up on 500, aren't we? We are coming very close to 500. I'm actually going to double check right now what episode number we're on because it ever since we've added... D&D uh, D with double speed. Originally, I was thinking not to get yeah. to this milestone until the end of the year, but it looks more and more like we're going to hit this sometime in September. So 490, uh, never mind, it's 492 was the last one that came out for episode 33 for D&D and D. This will more likely be 493. So 494, 95, 96, 97, 48, 49. So yeah, sometime in September will be our 500th episode. Yeah, we should we do something? What should we do? I don't know. I am going to very quietly, slowly panic. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do right now. Um, I'm going to say that our sound producer is Jonathan, not here, Cerna. And since he's not here to speak for himself, I want to use a quote that I can imagine. It comes from somebody else, but I can imagine Jonathan saying very easily. I would appreciate it if you didn't tell anybody about my busy hands. Not so much for myself, but I am so respected it would damage the town to hear it. For anyone who's really old and wants to identify that quote, hit us up at GlibShark. <laughs> you can follow me at Jack Edithil. That's E for Edward, D for David, A for Apple, T for Thomas, H for Halo, I for Island, L for Lily. Her at OboCrazy. The guy who's not here at Road underscore Block. Our uh, announcer is Bob Ball, voice actor. Our theme music is done by Linnea Boyev. And on behalf of Jonathan, Lauren, and the entire GlibShark staff, this is Jack Edithil wishing you guys good night, good health, and saying, stay Sharknado, my friends. That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at Glib Shark. You can even drop us a line, glibshark at gmail.com. Until next week... Stay sharky, my friends. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.